Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you tonight for this wonderful opportunity you've given to us to receive the Word of God. Tonight we pray that the Spirit will open our hearts and our minds to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. And we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. And you may be seated around the church tonight. Hallelujah. I want us to turn, at least for starters, to the book of Acts chapter 17. We're going to start with verse 1, 2, 3, where it said, Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them in three Sabbath days. He reasoned with them out of the scripture, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead. And this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Tonight, we're going to start by developing a thought that the Spirit really has been dealing with me about, and that is the subject of what we would call the gospel message, the Christ across the resurrection, especially the events that took place on the cross. Paul used the word suffer when he gave his message to Thessalonica. Suffer is a good word. Why? Because there was a lot of pain and agony that Jesus went through when he was on the cross. It was not a pleasant experience. I remember once in the church growing up. There was this evangelist who was preaching, and he was pretty graphic in the way he described what happened to Jesus, first with the beating and then with the cross. I mean, he used the line, it stuck with me after all these years, that after they were done beating Jesus' back, his back was as raw as hamburger meat. If you can imagine that, you could probably imagine what it was like. It was brutal. But it was necessary. Why? Because we know that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness of sins without the events of the cross. Are we together on this? Now, Paul, when he first arrived in Thessalonica, what was he driving home? He was driving home the importance of Christ, Jesus being the Christ, suffered and risen from the dead. Our Jesus, as the Christ, he was our great high priest who would pay our sin debt. But he did this on the cross with the shedding of blood. Vital and important. 
the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. It was necessary for our atonement. And please, make this connection. I know a lot of ministers use the word cross. But I want you to also think when you hear the word cross about the concept of the shedding of blood. Because the blood being shed through the atonement that Jesus made it is vital and important because without that blood that was shed on the cross there is no atonement for sin. Are we together on this? Turn to the book of Leviticus for a moment. Book of Leviticus. Are we still here? I guess someone is still here. Good. Leviticus. Chapter 16. I want to start with verse 3 for the sake of time. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place. The tabernacle was set up by Moses, built by the children of Israel, for Aaron the high priest to operate in. The tabernacle, it was divided really into two parts. Three if you count the outer court. The outer court, it will have... The altar of sacrifice. In connection with the cross, that altar of sacrifice becomes extremely important. Then you have the actual tabernacle building or tent itself divided in half. In the front part, we see what? We see the table of showbread. We see the candlestick. We see the altar of incense, and then we see a very thick veil. So thick, some estimate it's about that thick. I got my hand right there. In other words, you're not going to take a knife and cut through it very easy. It would be next impossible the way it was constructed and made. On the inside, behind the veil, is what's called the Holy of Holies. The first part of the Holy of Holies, everyone thinks it's one big piece of furniture. It's actually three separate things in connection with the atonement. First is actually the chest, the bottom part, known as the Ark of the Covenant. Inside was the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law, the covenant inside the Ark of the Covenant. On top, is not the lid, it's the mercy seat with the angels of the cherubim on top covering it. This was actually three separate but vital pieces that were all together one thing. The ark, the law inside the ark or the covenant, the mercy seat that was on top. The tabernacle was built to house really the Ark of the Covenant, 
the place where the covenant was stored. The tabernacle was also made for Aaron and his direct descendants to operate in. When the ark and all the tabernacle was built, originally it was Aaron and his four sons. By the time we get to Leviticus 16, his oldest two sons have died, offering strange fire. They're gone. So we're down to two sons of Aaron by the time we get to chapter 16. At this time, they were the only three people that could enter into the tabernacle. The part of the tabernacle where the table of showbread was, where the candlestick was, where the altar of incense was, this is the only place where the two sons of Aaron could operate. The third section, the Holy of Holies, only Aaron, the high priest, could operate in there only one time a year, as we'll see as we go through chapter 16. Are we still here? Now, as time went on, when Aaron passed away, his eldest son, Eleazar, was elevated to high priest. At that point, for the first time in his life, he could actually go into the Holy of Holies and operate there one time of year. But when he died, his son became high priest and he got to operate in there. And as there became more direct descendants of Aaron, there were more and more who were there to help in the priesthood. So what does this have to do with the cross? Let's keep going. Chapter 16. This shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh. In other words, he is wearing the clothes of the high priest specifically designed for what is happening here. And what is happening here? This is the Day of Atonement. On the Jewish calendar, this would be Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The day the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies with blood to make the atonement or the sin offering. Here's how it works without reading through the whole chapter. Aaron, the high priest, he was first called to take a bull and offer the bull on the altar outside the tabernacle, but in the outer court. And he was to kill it and to take his blood. Then Aaron was to take that blood, walk into the tabernacle, through the first section of the tabernacle, to go behind the veil. This is the only time during the course of the calendar year, or should I say, the only day 
in the calendar year that Aaron could go back there. He is restricted from going back there except on this one day. So Aaron enters into the Holy of Holies. He is standing in front of the Ark of the Covenant. On top is what? The mercy seat. Aaron takes the blood of the bull. He dips his finger in it. Then he sprinkles the ark, the mercy seat, seven times right to left. What did that do? It atoned for the sins of Aaron and the priesthood for one calendar year. So let's walk through this. Aaron walks in. He puts on all the holy clothes. He offers the first sacrifice, the bull. He kills the bull on the altar of sacrifice outside of the tabernacle. Then he takes the blood, enters into the tabernacle, passes past the candlestick, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense. Then he goes into the Holy of Holies, past the veil, and he sprinkles the blood on the top of the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, atoning his sins in this first one. Aaron was atoning the sins for himself and his two surviving sons. As time would go on and his grandsons would enter into the priesthood, that first sacrifice would cover them as well. And when it became later, high priests, further generations down the road, when they made this sacrifice, it was for who? The entire priesthood. So, first sacrifice for the priest and his family. Are we together on this? Okay. Now, there was a second offering made. This time, it was a goat. Aaron, the high priest, he would go to the altar of sacrifice. This time, he would take a goat and he would offer the goat as a sacrifice. He would take the blood of the goat, put it in a little bowl or a basin, then he would go inside of the tabernacle. Once again, past the table of showbread, past the candlestick, past the altar of incense, behind the veil, and now he is standing in front of the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant that holds the law. Once again, from right to left, Aaron, as the high priest, he sprinkles the blood on the mercy seat. Now, what did this do? The blood on the mer- um, the blood of the goat. It atoned the people's sins in Israel for one calendar year. So the sins of that calendar year. 
edges past, they're gone. One year. But here's the problem with the Old Covenant. Next year, Aaron had to do the same thing all over again. First, he had to offer the sacrifice for himself, and then he had to offer the sacrifice for the people. The bull for himself and his family, the goat for the people. This continued through the rest of Aaron's lifetime. That is, until he died and his son Eleazar took over. Then Eleazar took over and his son continued in this role. And it went on and on through the book of Joshua, through the book of Judges, through the book of First Samuel, Second Samuel, where the high priest's name was Zadok, who worked under David. But it was the same exact process. And this continued with the exception of the 70-year-plus Babylonian captivity up until 70 A.D. This atonement process continued year after year after year. Why? Because what was atoned was only good for one year. It could not permanently pay the sin debt. It was basically just charging, 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 covering the cost until a final payment was made. Are we still here? Now, let's start applying this for a little bit. We know that Jesus is our great high priest. Follow with me for a second to the book of Hebrews. Are we still here? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20 where it said whether the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek hold Melchizedek who is he in the book of Genesis, it mentions this man. He was the king of Salem, or Jerusalem. He was the priest of the Most High God. The one time he was mentioned was when Abraham returned from the slaughter of the kings when he rescued Lot. And there he meets Melchizedek, king and priest. What is the first thing that happens? Melchizedek gave Abraham, known as Abram, bread and wine. And then what did Abraham do? He tithed of everything that he had to Melchizedek. So who is Melchizedek? King and priest. Psalm 110 verse 4. 
it says the following. Let's get there. Psalm 110, verse 4. said the following, and I'm almost there. Where it said, The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Here we have God the Father establishing Jesus as a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's what we see in Hebrews. That Jesus is made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Chapter 5, verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself, this is Hebrews, to be made a high priest. But he that said unto him, You are my son, today have I begotten thee. As he said also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So who is the one that God the Father said, You are my son, today I have begotten thee. Jesus the Christ. God the Father says this about Jesus the Christ. What else does he say? You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Which means Jesus is king and priest. For those throughout the world, Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. For us as believers in Jesus right now, Jesus is our high priest. This is why Jesus can sit at the right hand of the Father and make intercession for us. Because as our great high priest, he can do this. Now, let's tie this to the atonement. Let's start by looking at the first job that Aaron had. What was the first job Aaron had? The first job Aaron had was to take the bull and offer it for a sin offering for himself. Why? Because Aaron was a sinner. I mean, that was pretty much established. Aaron's sinless life got shot right down the drain. How do we know that? The golden calf. I think we can establish that Aaron was not a perfect person. Are we together on this? Aaron had to offer a sacrifice For himself and for his family, a sin offering. It was required because he was with sin. Now let's look at Jesus. What is Jesus? Jesus, as the Son of God, did not sin. Are we together on this? Let me turn a few pages back. Since we're in Hebrews. So I don't have to turn the page. Chapter 4 verse 15. For we have not a high priest. Which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are. Yet 
without sin. Are we together on this? Let's go back now to one page. Chapter 2. For in, verse 18, for in that he, Jesus himself, has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure or help them that are tempted. So who do we see here? We see a Jesus who has tested in all ways like we are, yet without sin. This Jesus who was tested in all ways like we are, yet without sin, he's made high priest. But he does not have to offer a sacrifice for himself like Aaron did. Why? Because Jesus is without sin. This will make him qualified not just to offer our atonement, which we will see, it will make him qualified to offer the atonement that will pay the sin debt for all mankind, those who believe. Are we still here? Now, let's tie what John the Baptist said about Jesus. I think we all know this. What did John the Baptist say when Jesus first appeared? Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. What do we see here? John the Baptist saying that Jesus is going to be the sacrifice for sin. The sacrifice without spot or blemish. Meaning what? We just saw it. Tried in all ways like we are, yet without sin. This is why, not just the temptation in the wilderness, but the entire ministry and life of Jesus is so important. Because he faced every single situation that we face, even death. And he faced all of this, yet without sin. Now, we know that Jesus did not offer a sacrifice for himself because he was without sin. But as our great high priest, he still needed to offer the sacrifice that's needed for our atonement. What Aaron offered was a temporary annual atonement that could not permanently pay the sin debt. What Jesus is going to offer is the sacrifice that will pay the sin debt off permanently. If we lived in the old, thank God we don't. But if we lived in the old every year, we would have to watch this happen over and over again. In the new, one time, Jesus did this once to atone for our sins. Now, where did we start tonight? We started at the cross. The place of sacrifice. 
What is the cross in the New Testament atonement? It is the place where God is going to what? Give his sacrifice. And what is the sacrifice? The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. God's plan for our atonement is the shed blood of Jesus. Jesus goes to the cross according to the old. The lamb, excuse me, the goat died. Are we together on this? Even the bull died. There had to be death with an atonement. Jesus had to die, and he did. Why? As the Lamb of God that will take away the sin of the world. Are we together on this? Now let's keep going a little bit. In the old, Aaron would take the blood and then enter into the tabernacle and make the atonement on the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. Jesus, he is our great high priest, but he died on the cross. This is where the resurrection becomes vitally important. Because our atonement, in order to be made, we need a risen Savior. Are we together on this? When God raised Jesus from the dead, are we still here? When God raised Jesus from the dead, at that point, he said, what? You are my son. Today I have begotten thee. On this day, the new glorified Jesus rose from the dead. Why is this important? Because when we look at when the trumpet sounds and we are going to be with Jesus, what happens? New glorified body. Jesus in his new glorified body can now do the work of the great high priest. On earth in natural body, Jesus could not. But in his new glorified body, he could. This is why he could go to heaven. He could go to the tabernacle made without hands. This is the blueprint pattern that Moses looked on and which he used to build the earthly tabernacle. Jesus did not go to the tabernacle or the temple here on earth. Raised from the dead as great high priest, Jesus ascends back to the Father. And then does what? He makes the atonement that's necessary. So what do we have? If you follow the flow, Jesus goes to the cross, dies, sheds his blood. Blood needed for our atonement. Jesus, 
as our great high priest in that period of time before he sees his disciples. Remember what Jesus said to Mary Magdalene in the garden. Do not touch me yet. Jesus is ascending in that moment to do what? Make this final atonement. Then he appears to his disciples. So what do we see here? We see the atonement at work. Jesus, as our great high priest, goes, makes the atonement. We are forgiven from that point on. Now let's go back to the cross for a second. The cross is the place of the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sin without what Jesus did on the cross. What separates Christianity from the rest of the world's religion so much But the first one of great importance is the atoning work of Jesus. He had to shed his blood in order for us to be forgiven. Are we together on this? He had to shed his blood. You do not see anything like this in any other religion. We could not do this ourselves. Aaron and his direct descendants, they could only do the one-year thing, not permanently paying off anything. Only Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, only Jesus could do this. The cross is that vitally important for each and every one of us. Because without what Jesus did, none of this is possible. The reason why Our sins are gone. It began when Jesus shed his blood on the cross. The reason why we can now live under the New New Testament, the New Covenant, is because Jesus fulfilled the old, and he fulfilled it on the cross. The reason why we can be a new um, creation in Christ, a new man in Christ, It's because Jesus died on the cross. There is no church without what Jesus did on the cross. All of these required the shedding of blood. Every part of it. Even when we go to the table of the Lord... The communion. What do we celebrate? The broken body. Where was the body broken? The cross. The blood. Where was it shed? At the cross. 
when we partake of the Lord's Supper. We are remembering the suffering of Jesus. What he went through on the cross. When we celebrate baptism, when one is baptized, what does the going down represent? The cross. The death of Jesus. Going down to death into the water of the burial. But here is the important part that comes next. God raised Jesus from the dead. You see, in order for us to be a new man in Christ, God had to raise Jesus from the dead. But in order for the new to come to life, the old had to die with Christ on the cross. Are we together on this? In order for the new covenant to come into effect, the old had to be fulfilled. The old was fulfilled on the cross, and the new came into effect with a resurrection. When we look at our atonement, the reason our sins are gone is because of what Jesus did on the cross. And what he didn't do as our great high priest. But the reason we can now live an overcoming life with the Holy Spirit inside of us is because God raised Jesus from the dead. The old was taken care of at the cross. The new came into effect With the resurrection. Are we together on this? We are new men because of the resurrection. But the old man had to die with Christ on the cross. The old covenant was fulfilled with Jesus on the cross. That's why a new covenant based on better promises could come into effect. Even the atonement. The same thing applies. The old is done away with at the cross. It's that important. And then everything new comes into effect when God raised Jesus from the dead. Get what we're saying tonight. The cross is that important. And as a church, we need to celebrate what Jesus did at the cross because our salvation comes from what Jesus did on the cross. We must celebrate the cross, and we must celebrate the resurrection. That's why when we get to Easter season, why Good Friday is important. We remember and celebrate the cross. But this is also why Easter is important. We celebrate the resurrection. 
But in order for the resurrection and resurrection life to come into effect, the cross needs to happen. And for the cross to be effective, the resurrection needed to happen. We need the whole package because this is the plan of God. And this is why we can celebrate. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of what Jesus did when God raised him from the dead. Let's stand across the church tonight. Hallelujah.